Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, uh, and I am speaking to you from Southern California, where it is apparently already summer. It was like 80 degrees this week, wow. mid to high 80s, actually. I know. Oh, it's pretty crazy. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Climate change. Uh, this yeah. is Stephen <laughs> G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you guys from Harlem, and Harlem is, it's been warming up, so it should get to be about 44 today, I think, and so it's its kind of nice to run, but the wind is a little windy. It's about 12 miles per hour, so, um, but yeah. Hey, uh, this is Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Online blog, and the coolest compliment I ever got from a girlfriend was when she told me that I was better than chocolate. <laughs> um, we'll just leave that hanging <laughs> for the this remainder is, of this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a t-shirt that says better than chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're wrapping up our conversation about community. And yeah, I mean, we've, we've taken the conversation a lot of different places, obviously, and, and uh, have brought in some personal anecdotes. And uh, Stephen, Seth, what do you, have you moved anywhere on, or anything occurred to you in the, the conversations that uh, is going to stick with you? I, I have one question for both of you, and then I'll answer it myself. And that is, mm. what communities have you not identified that you feel are really, that you're really a part of? That, you know, you don't think about it very much, but then you're like a part of a geographical community or maybe you're a part of a nerd community that you don't really talk about, you know, it, that it didn't occur to you um, to mention during our last few podcasts. Well, I can I can answer that. Uh, mm-hmm. one, one of the things I, I think that flitted across my consciousness in one of our recent conversations is that I didn't talk very much about being... Uh, member of the um, of the writing community that mm. uh, and a large part of my identity is being a writer is being a writer and editor but let me talk more about the writing part because the writing part and as I've read a few accounts Stephen and I mm-hmm. full disclosure are working on an anthology right now about writers about writers living a creative life and how they sustain themselves and, and, and many of the accounts talk about how they sustain themselves in that life. So I'm reading a lot of these accounts and I'm thinking about how much solitude is a running thread through many of these accounts. Not all of them, mm. but a lot of them. Mm. Because there is something about the writing life that, what's the word I'm looking for, that mm. tends to be associated with, that um, almost requires solitude because the kind of thinking the kind of high highly um demanding wrestling with ideas really needs to be done in solitude at least for me it does and and Mm -hmm. and on the specific conditions too like not too hot not too cold quiet not distracted by bright shiny objects around me Okay. So there's something about being a part of that community that I I recognize easily, but I don't 
I don't often talk about. I think because they just kind of take it for granted. This, it's something, oh, this, what did this soci- a sociologist say? That the last thing a fish learns is that it lives in water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's, it's just I live in that water. I'm, I'm a writer. I, I spend a lot of time alone thinking about ideas and how to articulate them in such a way to make them compelling to other people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So communities that I am probably a member of that we did not really talk about. So probably, I mean, this is one that is, it's pretty far in the past. So, uh, Mm. but it is what occurred to me when you asked the question. So I'll answer it honestly, which was that, you know, I played uh, a lot of role-playing games when I was younger, Mm. Mm. uh, Mm. when I was, when I was a teenager, Um, probably not very far into young adulthood, you know, maybe here and there when I was, you know, 20, 21, 22, that kind of thing. Not really past that. Uh, But it was a huge part of what I was preoccupied with from the age of about 13 to 18. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it constituted my primary uh, social circle. Um, It -hmm. constituted my primary reading list. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it, it was at the same time, it's not something you know, sort of being a part of the role-playing community is not something that I ever actually identified with. Like, I didn't necessarily think of myself as a gamer, but uh, mostly because I just don't like belonging to any community, I think, um, mm-hmm. even though obviously I, I do. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But it's certainly how I spent a lot of my, my days and nights. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, was at that time there was nothing cool about that. So there was no Stephen Colbert to mm-hmm. say like, oh, you know, I, I played, you know, a dwarf or like launched my magic missile at the ogre kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it was definitely a a point of embarrassment in or, you know, a way to make fun of people or shorthand how, how geeky and out of touch they were with uh, social conventions. So I mean, that was... That's the world I lived in for a big part of my uh, of my teenage years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's fairly distant, but I mean, I always think of it, so that's why that's why it it occurred to me. I'm sorry, Seth. Well, 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 I just that uh, comedians used to use it. You know, in the '80s, there was a different style of comedy, and we all remember that kind of mm-hmm. that style of comedy. You know, one of the that was a sh- that talking about people who played Dungeons and Dragons D and D was always like a kind of a shorthand index for mm-hmm. your inability to get laid. Right, so like, yeah, if yeah, I could know, sure, yeah. like none, none <laughs> of these motherfuckers yeah. are seeing yeah. again any, you know, <laughs> any nice, nice anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and, and those comedians and those co- um, content creators are now in charge in yeah. terms of producing that's a lot right. of stuff, right? Yeah, so that's right. He's yeah. a little sexier, you know. He's yeah, a yeah. little, yeah, you know. And then yeah. I love it when I hear a woman comic talk about. Those nerds, she goes, these nerds are getting all the girls now. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that when they're on stage and they go off the stage, there might be some guy who kind of likes them, but they're still kind of, uh, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that the nerd is like, he's racking up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't the way it was. But I was like, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a culture shift. Right. You know, there's a yeah. culture shift. And these are people who are producing content and it's the internet age. I mean, right. there are all these yeah. different cultural moments that that kind of bring that person into they're not as nerdy as they were anymore. In fact, people right. call themselves nerds. 
Right. So yeah. that's not what they were yeah. doing when you were talking about a Travis. That's not mm. your experience. So yeah. no, no, it not at all. It was. <laughs> it was. Really, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was a pejorative, and it was a mark of being an outcast. Yeah. Um, and th- it's not that there aren't outcasts now. I'm not. But of course. they. Mm-hmm. But those communities are far more resilient, and uh, there's just less embarrassment to go along uh, with identifying with any of them. I, you know, the thing I had thought about um, just now when you guys were mentioning it is, I, I'm not sure I would trade. Like, of course, part of me would trade. It would be nice to have been that involved in those activities at that age, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and and not be embarrassed by them. Of course, that would have been nice. That but would have been great, yeah. I definitely got something out of that. I definitely learned some valuable emotional lessons in being an outcast in that mm-hmm. way and feeling like there were other outcasts. So I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, as far as development goes, I'm not sure. Um, I, I certainly think one is better culturally. I think it's good that we now have fewer spaces where people are embarrassed to mm-hmm. to be into the things that they're into. Um, mm-hmm. But but for me, I'm not. I don't know if if I would trade those things necessarily. Well, I'll start out by saying that I wish I would have had the intelligence and the the focus to involve myself in those spaces because I'm often. Um, misidentified as a nerd mm. i'm like i mean comics kind of you know mm. you know poetry kind of like mm. i'm a kind of guy but mm-hmm. when people see me and, and carl and i were talking about this years ago it's like people think that you're this nerd person that you're really not i'm like i know mm-hmm. right but then it came into like oh you know something you know something about archives you know something about publishing or this or whatever i've never been so into something that I understood the minutia or understood a lot of the culture, I have dib, dib and dabbed in different things. Mm-hmm. So the kind of, um, like I was telling my friend the other day, I wanted to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And he goes, no, you don't. I'm like, maybe for maybe, <laughs> maybe five minutes. You know? <laughs> so there's some truth there. But then also, and if if the past says anything, it's like, no, my, my attentions will turn to something else. I kind of like that about myself, but it doesn't, <laughs> the nerd that I, the nerds that I know can school you on basically anything. They're just in it. And I love that. You know, I do love that and I respect it. So, but yeah, um, in short, my, um, this past Friday or this past week, um, a great, mm-hmm. like maybe every day I got a, con- starting Sunday through Friday, People who were involved in the late 70s and 1980s are part of the Black LGBTQ movement, filmmakers, Mm -hmm. poets, uh, other kinds of performing artists have reached out to me to Mm -hmm. ask me whether or not I wanted to work with them on a project. One was a documentary. One was Mm. a, can you look at this or can you find me information about that person? Mm. And I realized I'm a part of that community in a very strong way. So Mm -hmm. Friday, I was with um, my writing partner, Gwendolyn Hardwick, who is the co-founder of a theater company called the Flamboyant Ladies Theater Company. It was mid-70s. She had founded it with um, writer, poet, activist Alexis DeVoe. I'm at the Schomburg mm-hmm. with her going through Alexis DeVoe's papers and photographs. And so there are these photo, there are the, the photographs, the images, and the, and the flyers and so forth. And at the end of the day, I was going to a retirement party for one of my former bosses at the Schomburg. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, this was just a family day for me. 
it started out with this wonderful like breakfast with my friend Gwen talking about art and so forth and then going through the papers and I love reading letters and I love putting material objects in front of my face to match what I know about the history because it reinforces it but it also helps me think a little bit differently about it in some ways if I'm fortunate about mm-hmm. what was the co- the culture back then for these two black lesbians to start a theater company you know mm-hmm. one I was growing up in the 70s but I had no idea about what their experiences were and sometimes the um the letters the programs and things really helped me think about it then I'm calling back there's another guy doing a um film on Jewel Gomez yet another black uh, lesbian woman who who's an amazing writer and poet and performer and so he's looking for information about her and can I help mm-hmm. him out? And it, I just felt like I'm, I'm a part of, it just felt like a family day because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing people that I used to work with. I'm mm-hmm. also part of a family that no longer works at the Schomburg, you know, mm-hmm. the person who didn't retire, but simply mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. And so that felt really good and intense because you have to mm-hmm. come up with, well, at least for me, so I don't get bored or whatever. So what are you doing now? What's going on? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, at parties and things. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And sometimes I've stopped. Lately, I've just been going, I don't know how to answer that question. Not because things are terrible. It's just that the shorthand for I'm good mm-hmm. doesn't really work. I feel like I should say something else and give them a story and give them something other than just a, hi, how you doing? A, you know, a drive-by hello or I'm great, you know, and get a plate of food or whatever. But at any What rate, was the story you gave them? Well, the story I actually I started out with, I'm not sure how to answer that. And then I'd go into something that was either Schomburg related or something about NYU, because sometimes they ask me, well, how is NYU? That's an easy question mm-hmm. to answer. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. You know, or something about a different. Uh, recently, we had Robin Crawford, Whitney Houston's um, friend and a one time lover mm-hmm. at NYU. And she was absolutely exquisite. It was a great talk. And so I, I talk about that. But then, you know, as you guys know, at parties and things, it's not like you're having long conversations. You're just eating and then you're hugging people and you're, it's brief, right? But it was very family. It felt like a family picnic, a family reunion. So I like that. So I don't often think of myself as a family person in that way. I think of myself as an archivist that way, you know, or someone who used to work at the Schomburg. And then I'm often pleased and warmed when I think about day in and day out for almost 20 years, I was working with people that I, a lot of people that I cared about with materials that I love and scholars and children and so forth. So, yeah. So the the thing that occurs to me listening to that account Mm -hmm. of your recognition of your membership in a particular LGBT historian-like community Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that When I describe you to other people, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to shorthand you, right? Um, Because Mm -hmm. I say, uh, because the situation I enter is, I need to say quickly um, (laughs) who this person I'm working on this anthology with is. And so I say, Stephen, and then I always say, is an archivist, used to work at the Schomburg, was there for 18 years, and is a... Uh, independent publisher of a lot of people in the LGBT community. So it has, mm-hmm. Indep- mm-hmm. has published poets, have poets uh, published um, histor- histories. Oh, and he's also a budding filmmaker. So, mm, uh, cool. I, I, yeah, it, it just seems to me like that very much is the way I understand you, the way I see you is like mm-hmm. that, that sort of um, 
moving electron. Like you move through all these communities and you're kind of constantly sort of, uh, you're, you're circling that nuclei. Oh, yeah. okay. I like that. Those My joke was I was going to say, when I described Seth, I was going to say, they were too lazy to say, spell Stefan, so they just took out the T and the E-N at the end, and they just put love Seth. Get it? That's funny. That's cute. I like that. That's <laughs> yeah, right. I've never said it, though, but I was just like, uh. <laughs> you, can, you can use the better than chocolate line if you want to. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we're in an election year, so we're not yeah. sure what the polls are saying about this whole chocolate thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. What are your super delegates? What are, who's behind this? Um, but, yeah, no, I want a better That's joke really for you, funny. by the way. That's, okay. that, I need to tie it right. up, but, yeah. All right. Yeah, you know what the thing is, uh, and it may not be a very fruitful question, but it did occur to me uh, as you guys were talking, is how often do you shorthand descriptions of people by their communal identifications? So mm, mm. I I almost never do that. Mm. Okay. Not as a point of like, not as a, a premeditated, so it's just not, I don't... I'm not placing a value on it. It's just that is not – if I was to describe, like, so who I do the podcast with, I – well, you know, I guess that's – I guess, so, you know, I would – I'm trying to think, you know, so Seth, I would say, you know, art critic and writer for Hyperallergic, whom I've known for years. And mm -hmm. so I, I think I probably go to – my relations to the people are mm. tend to be how I shorthand things like, oh, mm. I've known this person for a very long time, we're really close mm. friends. Or, you know, Stephen, I know through Seth and, you know, he's an archivist, he used to work at the Schoenberg and that kind mm. of thing. So I, I tend to shorthand things, I think, probably around work and then relationships. So like how, mm -hmm. how that person is related to me, like kind of what my assessment of that person is. Uh, like, you know, seems like a good person. Don't, I, I always qualify. I don't know them that well, which means that I say that about the vast majority of people because <laughs> I don't I don't have a lot of close friends. So but anyway, I mean, do you do you guys do you shorthand people by their communal identifications? Is that something how you move through it? Well, before we answer that, if I may, Stephen, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, Travis, about that. Does it matter mm -hmm. who you're talking to? What you do around like describing other people? Mm -hmm. I'd have to think about it for longer than we probably have time for in the podcast. Okay. I, not not mm. off the top of my head, no. As far as I know, it doesn't make okay. a difference. Right. Um, okay. I, mean, I was uh, just curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. I, I don't. Mm. I don't think so. Mm. I think that is how I would probably, because you know, if I'm coming into contact with people, you know, if it was through work or you know, out in the world or at a conference, I think it would be the same. Again, I can't. I couldn't. Uh, say it with 100% certainty, but I think that would basically be in general how it And would part of what prods me to ask that is that in answer to your question uh, about whether we, I uh, identify people by their communal associations, it depends on who I'm talking to and it depends on the context. Okay. So in a party, mm -hmm. if it's a party like I went to one last night uh, in Brooklyn, this artist at an artist space, um, if I were to describe someone, I would probably do so in very personal terms. I would say, yeah, this is my friend. I've known him or mm -hmm. her for a long time, or she's an artist and we met through blah, blah, blah. That sort of thing. But if, if I'm at a, like a conference, and it's a conference, let's say it's one structured mm -hmm. around like black identity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or, or some issue that is adjacent to black identity. And someone asked me to describe someone, I would say, oh, yeah, this is Adjua. She is actually 
from Ghana or she is, you know, whatever. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would try to fit into the, the, yeah, the particular you're, you're context. Right. I- I would do the same thing. Mm. So that, as you're describing, of course that's true. Yeah, yeah. of course mm-hmm. it's true. If I and and, and to, to use you as an example, if I was at a conference, probably one of the first things I would talk about is the fact that you have a PhD. Um, if I was at an academic conference, it's like I would also mention that. And then for Stephen, it would also be that he's an archivist, and you know, because these are these are going to be touchstones. These are going to be things that people potentially relate to. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, th- that's the, I think that's probably accurate. So, mm-hmm. Stephen, what about you? Similar to Seth, um, it really depends on their position to me in terms of the orbit. Like, I Mm. find myself not wanting to go into any extended bio of a particular person or friend or someone else that I know or or scholar because I think of the time that we're we're spending with one another or estimated time. Mm. If I'm trying to say, I, I know this guy named Travis who is that, 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 who might be able to connect you. Because I find a lot of my communications um, over the week, if they're not family or friends, they're around connecting people to resources and to each other. Mm-hmm. And so the bios come in really quickly. I know this one woman who does this. Maybe she can help you out. And then if I happen to like you, then I might be more effusive. Like my feelings mm-hmm. come into play. I'm like, oh, Travis, mm-hmm. you got to meet him because blah, 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 blah. He does this. And here's this essay that he wrote and I'll send it to you later. And mm-hmm. I, that's how I kind of like introduce people. That's generally my, um, right. my MO. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I have to want to mention this before the, this session, this segment of the podcast ends. It's something I, I, I rarely talk about, but I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it, but it rarely comes up. And this is a community I do belong to. Although it's a very diffuse one, and mm-hmm. I don't think I have a lot of conversations with other people in this putative community, which is, I'm an atheist. And I think mm. I, for a long time, I struggled with that, called myself an agnostic, because really I wanted to be fair to myself and be fair to the idea oh, that okay. I didn't, I, was, I couldn't be sure that there isn't a God, but more that I, I think, I think, I do, and I still feel this way, that asking the question of whether there is a God or not is fundamentally the wrong question. It's not, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's a matter of um, the God's putative existence. It's more about what we do, what we do with that, what mm-hmm. we, what, how we think about mm-hmm. uh, God's existence. So I did that for a while, but now I think it's just, it makes, I don't know. It feels stronger in some ways to just say, I'm an atheist. Like, I don't believe, mm-hmm. like when I encounter someone who's religious, mm-hmm. I feel like saying to them, I don't believe what you believe, but I don't hate you and I will defend your right to believe what you want to believe, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But but I don't I I'm and and in a, in a way in a way saying that actually is a, is is a, is a kind of way of saying yeah I'm an outsider like I'm not part mm-hmm. of what you got you all got because most of the world is religious most mm-hmm. of the world yeah the vast majority, vast majority vast. yes <laughs> will will say what you don't believe in how can you not recognize Allah how can you not recognize Yahweh how can you not see and and we can have that conversation, but mm-hmm. I don't. Um, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> do you, uh, you know, for do you guys ever resent? Um, so I mean, I, you know, we've talked to. I, it's not that we haven't touched on this in the in the, in the podcast. We have, um, and I know we only have a few minutes left. But do you resent 
being members of any particular community. So I resent, I mean, I think you obviously know that for me, I resent the idea of, of being a part of the white community. Mm-hmm. Because we I, know I, this. I, yeah. No, I know. I, I mean, I, I wear that. I ran to the end of that sentence pretty early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, hmm. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I, I, so do you guys have any communities like that? Like, you know, like, fuck you, keep that community. I don't want that community. Uh, like, is there, do you have anything like that? Straight guys. And I'm, I'm, wow. not, mm. I'm not, not, a, mm. not a big great, fan great. of sh- straight, the straight male community. I mean, we do a lot of fucked up shit. Like, a lot. Like, right. the majority mm. of it. You know, maybe not straight black males, but straight males, period, they do a lot of damage. And and the and when you you know what the picture that gets conjured when you say out loud straight male, the picture that gets conjured is not a cute one, right? Like you, mm-hmm. I, the one that gets conjured for me is like a bunch of guys after the football game sitting around talking about the women they fucked, like that sort of thing, mm-hmm. like that, okay. like that that when someone says straight male to me, I picture like I picture. Organized sports, betting, lots of mm-hmm. uh, course conversations is just not very but clever not, or interesting. I mean, of mm-hmm. course. So I would. So I my my resentment around that, uh, which I, I identify with, is that that would be the representation of a straight male community. Like I don't, like, I don't recognize that. Like mm-hmm. I've got a mm-hmm. lot of m- most of my friends, my male friends are straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I get together with them, that's not ever a thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Right. E- right. Even if we are getting together to watch football or, right. you know, I don't do stuff like that much anymore, but that's just never, never a thing. Right. That was just never a thing amongst my quote unquote, you know, straight male community. I, I would resent the representation, that being the representation of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, what about um, yeah. you? Make this very brief. <laughs> I was writing it out. No, I don't resent being identified with any kind of community. What bothers me is that kind of what you touched on about the, what membership involves, right? The idea of the membership. Mm-hmm. You must do this, like this, talk about these things, be in this area, blah, blah, blah. I can't control what people think. All I can do is be my organic or what I consider to be my authentic self. So some of those yeah. things will not jibe with what people think about black males, um, black queer males, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Pe- Midwesterner males, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's their problem. Mm-hmm. My issue is that it can't get in the way of the work that I really want to do. You mm-hmm. know, the, yeah. the the development work within me, but also in terms of helping to build community. Mm-hmm. And so it's a tenuous relationship, but I like that tension because yeah. it holds me accountable for my actual thoughts you know, my actual beliefs mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, when I secretly wanted to belong to certain kind of communities, I was always sort of disappointed by um, groupthink or mm-hmm. bandwagon think. I was like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want this. I don't want it for myself. I, mm-hmm. I tense up or I feel like I'm at odds with the thing that's supposed to be in the word community, it's supposed to be a place of home. Mm-hmm. And so I wrestle with the idea of home, almost everything that I do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. where can you lay your hat down and say, ah. Oh, Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm I'm much more I think okay with the tensions, and I'm okay with that mm-hmm. because I think that that's what community probably really is. Is it's always sort of developing and growing. It's not as static as I used to think it was, or, or how it appeared to me. 
Yeah, productive tensions. Can can I, I can I saying. jump in with an anecdote here? So I was at Stevens. Um, uh, it was last year, and Stephen had a had a group of people over uh, at his place, as Stephen often does. And I, I always love get-togethers with Stephen because they're warm, they're, they're convivial, they're and they're and they're typically lots of interesting people to talk to besides mm-hmm. Stephen. Mm-hmm. But at this one, we were it got it had gotten late. It was like going past. We were, I think we were past midnight at that point. And Lady Sasha was talking about what's her name, the writer, uh, uh, Color Purple, Alice. Sorry, Alice, Alice Walker. Walker. Thank you, Walker. Mm-hmm. Her, the daughter that she had had apparently had had with a white man, and I think I don't remember the daughter's name, but she's a writer in her own right. Rebecca Walker. I'm sorry, what? Re- Rebecca Walker. Thank you. So mm-hmm. Rebecca, so she was talking about her and something that she had written or some controversy. She, Lady Sasha was talking about, and so for the record, Travis, her name is Lady Sasha. Um, Lady Sasha Jones, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 the, she was talking about some controversy that Rebecca had been involved in. And she'd written something and people online were tearing into her about it. And she was going off, and this actually may serve as a nice segue to our next topic on anger. She was going off on Rebecca in a really angry way about how, and saying things that were just, in my estimation, racism light. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. essentially because she was this mixed race person that she was, she didn't get it, that she wasn't woke enough, that her politics were, were bullshit, that... She mm-hmm. was a bullshit writer kind of thing. And so they were, they were riffing on this theme and joking about her name and her whiteness. And I was just shocked. I was just like, what? Mm. Because, I, because I didn't understand why she was so angry about whatever she, Rebecca had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a moment when I felt like, yeah, this is part of the tension that I have with being in the black community is that when this anger rises to the surface, I almost always feel like I want to address it in a way that is not just stoking the flames because I mm-hmm. want because I want to understand what is at the root of that anger because I, I don't actually think that that puts us in a position to do the kind of work that I want to do to transform the world. And mm-hmm. I remember saying, being shocked at this and saying, like, God damn, y'all are just rough. Like, what is going on? And she's like, this is a safe space. This is a safe space. And that's when I, <laughs> and that's when I thought, Sorry. yeah, the, uh, I'm not crazy about safe spaces where it's safe for you to just, like, unload on, on people, people who are, right, yeah. who are not even yeah. present to defend themselves. So there's a way in which, like, I've, that is a, an enduring tension for me. Being in mm, intellectual mm-hmm. spaces, being in black spaces, being in black intellectual spaces, being in academic spaces, whatever, where mm. that kind of behavior, that kind of calling out, aggressive calling out and, and demeaning is encouraged or even celebrated. Mm. I want to mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. and I want to say in those moments, oh, okay, I'm not sure I do belong to this community. Or at least Mm. I'm not sure that these are the terms by which I want to be associated. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a quandary for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I definitely think that empowered communities have the most retarding force on individual development. So 
when, you know, being a, it was, it's difficult. It would have been very difficult to be a white male in 1940 America and recognize the common humanity of other non-white males because mm -hmm. it was such a powerful ascendant community. So actually Precisely. identifying yourself as an individual, there's no incentive in individualizing yourself from such a powerful community because that community has all the power. And it is certainly not the case that the black community has a preponderance of the political power in the United States. Precisely. But, cult but culturally, in certain cultural spaces, not being white is actually an advantage. It's not an yes. advantage on the job market. It's yes. not an advantage like if you want to buy a home in Agreed. certain areas. Agreed. But but in, in cultural, <laughs> yeah, th th thank you. I, I just, I always feel like I have to footnote those things. But, but in certain, in, in certain cultural spaces, it is actually the community of power. Right. And being a member of that community has, has a retarding force, a, as in a retrograde force mm. on someone's uh, attempts to be an individual. It just mm. can't not, because there are mm. too many advantages to, joining in with the chorus with the mm. with the greek chorus that that is you know condemning or celebrating whatever i'm sorry mm. Stephen, yeah. go ahead. no just say with caveats i mean because i also feel like that the thing that i think so i don't believe in the idea of safe spaces but what i do recognize are people exhaling right mm. and how they exhale is really important to me right so you described lady sasha who's a good friend of mine of her saying those things mm. and the thing is I watched Lady Sasha and two other people, including a friend of mine named Damon Haynes, go to town on music, right? Mm -hmm. And there were three people with three different um, interpretations who were laughing and joking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was wondering when your conversation took place, mm -hmm. when that conversation took place, because that was a really interesting, like I'd walk past them and one would grab me and go, tell this motherfucker, da 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 da, right? right, right. But they weren't, they were very diverse and very different in their right. approach to right. talking, I think, about R&B and all that. So... I feel like a lot of, at one point, there were two people in the corner doing tarot, two, um, one was an artist. <laughs> like, there were all these different <laughs> creative people. And, and I feel like with you, Steph, you're very, you know what you think, and you don't seem to be, be a, um, a wallflower issuing how you feel about stuff. You know, so I don't mind arguing with people about how I feel about something, or if I don't have a dog in the fight, I'm just not that, I'm not that boy. I'm like, uh, I'm not that interested, mm -hmm. you know, because I also avoid conversations. <laughs> when people come to the house, I love people, but I go, no, that's not something that moves the needle for me, kind of in the way you said, you know, the kind of work I want to do. I don't need that particular conversation or those comments to, um, one, support what I feel already, or empower me in a way that I often critique the white community about, I don't need to have kings and queens. I don't need to return to or use the things that I critique that I see whites or large, a large preponderance of white people use as a way to justify a particular kind of stance in the world, right? And we have a lot of different kinds of people at the place that do come over. But I don't, I don't need that. But I recognize people's not right to do it, but um, that excelling, that... Uh, Mm. But we're in this environment, we can sort of talk openly and freely mm. about these kinds of things. Mm. Because I've argued with Lady Sasha, I've argued with everybody, you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I wanted to 
just to clarify that there are all these all different kinds of black folks up in here, mm-hmm. some of which run the range of a particular political um, sensibility. Mm-hmm. We're just arguing about the importance of music, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was my favorite conversation that night, I think, because mm-hmm. of the ways they were going in. Don't you know about such and such? And haven't mm-hmm. you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah. Right. Because it, I love music. That was a fun conversation. That was awesome. Well, that was part one of our two-part discussion. Uh, As a reminder, however, um, the conversation next week will naturally segue into our new topic, which is anger. Uh, We'll be approaching the topic of anger from a variety of perspectives. Um, The conversation grew very naturally out of the conversation on community that you just listened to. Um, So please uh, join us next week for our next topic on anger. Thanks for listening.